Welcome to the House of Lee NYC. Come on in, meet regular folks doing interesting things, and get tips for resourceful living. Hi, I'm Lee. Thank you for stopping by. In today's show, you're going to meet Nicole Devereaux. She coaches leaders and teams to do the work that matters with less frustration and more confidence. Nicole has graciously agreed to share with us how she went from being an atheist to starting not one, but two Christian churches with her husband. Before we meet Nicole, two things. First, a shout out to Dwight Sora and Nicole Bongiorno for being the first folks to like the House of Lee NYC Facebook page. Thank you so much. Second, I've decided to add a fun element into the show. When possible, I will share a fun or interesting spot to try or explore here in New York City. Feel free to call or email with your favorite gems and I'll review them for consideration, you know, time permitting. Having said all that, in a bonus episode following this one, Nicole and I will share our quick take on a classic New York City spot, Serendipity 3. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it. All right, let's meet Nicole Devereaux, live to tape on location at a public atrium across from Bryant Park at West 42nd Street and 6th Avenue. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks for having me, Lee. Beautiful location, I might add. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Thank you. (laughs) You know, and we're going to keep it kind of neutral because we all have different beliefs, but it's the the curiosity for me is how these things came about. So if you could take us through a brief and a nutshell history of being an atheist and then your crossover and how that came about, I think that'd be very interesting for people. I know I'm curious. Okay. Yes. So I think it starts with my mother was raised Catholic. My father was raised Greek Orthodox. My father let go of his religious upbringing. My mother did not let go of hers. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, your listeners are from all different backgrounds. So I want to be respectful of any Catholics who might be on the line. I've (laughs) also, if you like, (laughs) but I've also met a number of people who call themselves recovering Catholics. Sometimes Uh, that tradition. Okay. So, right. So my mom definitely was attached to the ritual and kind of laws or discipline around going to church. But other than that event of going to church, there was no really introduction or experience with God in my family home. So as a young, very arrogant, as an adult might be called confidence, but as a seven-year-old child, definitely arrogance, um, I just kind of said, this is a bunch of BS. And you said it just like that? Yeah, I said to my mom, I said, I think you're all lying to me. I don't think God is real. Uh, I don't ever want to go to church again and what happened my mother (laughs) um my mother was shocked i mean she was like the good catholic daughter right like would never speak that way to her parents and just the i'm the oldest of five so i was also the first child to (laughs) come out of the gates and that's why she has 30 people at her dinner table (laughs) she needs the noise i I mean mean, the the ambiance yes yes (laughs) she needs to make it feel like home of course (laughs) It's true. There was always a lot of people around our table. Um, yeah, so that didn't go over well. So my mother's, <laughs> for, 
Um, but again, you know, we really only went once a week. So it was kind of like suck it up until you get to make your own choice kind of a deal. Well, internally, I just decided I'm going to prove that you can be a good person without God because all these people, I see people coming to church on Sunday and then in the middle of the week being jerks you know right and so sort of uh there's some hypocrite hypocritical yes. what's the right word yeah hypocrisy Hypocr- that was the word i you. used hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah for sure yeah and of course in my you know 12 13 year old brain i was like i will not be a hypocrite right. i will <laughs> <laughs> now i i something struck me as you shared that moment in time which is did any adult try to break your spirit did you feel like your spirit was broken oh good question you know my interpretation of the event is that my father understood where I was coming from because you know he left his religious upbringing and he did not go to Catholic Church with us Mm. so Honestly, I think that some of my rebellion came from seeing that my father didn't appear to agree with the religion that I was being asked to conform to. Mm. And so I think there was just this kind of understated, well, Nicole is, I mean, this was, this is a dramatic example, but this was basically my whole upbringing was me coming home to my parents and making very big declarations Uh, about who I am, what I believe, what I'm going to do and saying to them, you can come along with me, but I'm going to do it even if you don't. Right. Agree with me. So okay. I'm kind of a wild child in that sense. So did you answer the question? Did you feel like your spirit was broken? No, it definitely was not broken. Okay, good, 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 good. Yeah. So from the age of seven, you declared in your own way that you were an atheist. Did you know the word? Atheist? I did not know that word. No, not as a child. It was it was more probably not even until college that I really verbalized it in that way. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward to the moment when you're like, yeah, no. You know, and it's kind of like (laughs) women, women, you know, sometimes, and I don't know if this has happened to you, but I know it's definitely happened to me. You're really, really into a guy or a significant other. And then one day you're like, yeah, no, I'm done. Ah. I'm just, I'm done. So when was that? I'm just done moment for you yeah it, it wasn't and I'm just done oh, it was nice. more I can't not try this other thing so what happened was I met a man who was a Christian and I had known many Christians because I was trying to live this very moral life so I actually came in contact with a lot of religious people and um which just kind of boosted my, like, I'm doing good things, but I don't have your God, so, you know, kind of thing going on for me. So I met this Christian guy who was the first Christian to not be intimidated by the fact that I completely mocked his faith. I mean, we would go out for coffee, and I would just ridicule him and call him all sorts of names and really mock him. Wow. And he was completely unfazed by it. He basically threw it all back in my face and he would say what about you where did you get that from why why should why does that hold any more weight than what I'm saying and his um quiet confidence or humble confidence Mm. is probably the best way to put it you know it was this thing of 
he just wasn't phased by me and he thought very deeply about what he believed and I hadn't encountered that before I hadn't met somebody who knew what they believed but weren't trying to convince me of it sure you know like he he wasn't he let me direct the conversation and that was a powerful thing for me um so it caused me to just say okay maybe I can think deeply about this too and consider arguments I've never considered before and quite honestly it was very quickly six weeks after we met we were having a conversation and he said what are you thinking about this whole Jesus thing and I said you know what Every question I've had has been met with an answer. Whether or not I liked the answer or I totally agreed with it, the fact that there have been answers has been really challenging. And I feel like in my head, I can intellectually agree that Jesus is the Son of God and He came and He died and He rose from the dead. I said, but. But in my heart, like, I don't want to agree with that. And he just looked at me and was like, what's what's the disconnect there? Like, why one place, not the other? And I went back to hypocrisy. And I said, dude, I've never read the Bible. I haven't been in a church since I was a kid. I don't know anything about God. I can't just walk around and say, I love Jesus now just because I don't have a reason not to anymore. Like, it just right. seemed really ridiculous. And then he just very calmly said to me, you don't have to know all those things. If you want to know God, just tell him you want to know him and let him show you and like let him worry about all that stuff that you don't know yet and don't worry about it. And honestly, Lee, it was a very intellectual decision. I just sat down and I said, okay, God, I want to know you. Show up. And that was almost 19 years ago and he's been showing up ever since so. in that moment when you asked god to show up for you yeah what was it the can i say the sign what yeah what unfolded for you yeah that's a good question so this is where you get kind of mystical right because i do think that faith there is mystery in faith that's why it's faith right it's not something that you can measure it's not tangible or prove right there has to be a mysterious element to it so for me, the way I would explain it is I had a sincere heart that wanted to know God. It wasn't this challenging, shake my fist, like, God, show up or I will, you know, condemn you or reject you forever. You know, it was really this sincere, like, there's things happening that I don't really understand. I'm thinking about things I've never thought about. So if you are real, like, please make that clear to me. And so how, how did God do that for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, did you have a problem and then it got solved after? No, definitely or? not. More problems come after you <laughs> give your life to God. Okay. <laughs> so if anyone's listening and you're wondering, it doesn't get easier. <laughs> so let me What just... did he do for you? I'm looking for that. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. moment or Yeah. So sign. I think probably different for every Christian. And so I just want to give that disclaimer because I do feel like... M my story maybe sometimes sounds a little more mystical than even a lot of Christians I know. Okay. Um, so enough. Christians believe in a triune God. There's a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. And when, when a person decides to follow God, it, 
the Bible says that God gives that person his spirit. So the, the spirit of God, like, you know, from a biblical perspective, the spirit that hovered over the waters when the world was created or part of the Red Sea, you know, Moses, a story a lot of people are familiar with, that spirit actually lives in human beings when they make a connection to God. And that was a tangible thing for me. Like I, I know the feeling of what it felt like to not have the spirit of God and to then have it like, what's the difference? What's for, the difference? I mean, <laughs> how do you explain that? What's the difference? The difference. The difference is, was it a spring in your step? Was it? No, no, it wasn't. Honestly, it was more of a, you know, I hate to be cliche, but you know, the song Amazing Grace, there's a line that says I was blind and now I see. Was blind, but now I see. That's the best metaphor is that something just clicked for you something changed so radically that I could never have predicted because I was only on one side of it and when I got on the other side I suddenly you know it's like putting on glasses for the first time if you if you everything was blurry and then I put on glasses so can you give us a tangible example of that <laughs> yes I love that you're asking for tangible proof <laughs> prove that God happened to you no, yes <laughs> Which is great. That happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think there's there's a couple things that come to mind. One is that I'm a I have an anger issue. So don't we all though. Well, I don't. I have Greek and Italian blood, okay. so that might explain some of it. Um, you know, I got married right after my 21st birthday, and yeah, I realized very quickly that I was going to have a lot of problems in my marriage because um, I had never apologized to anybody in 21 years of existence. Really? Yes. And so that's probably one of the big things that changed when I, when God kind of came into my life was like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I can own my mistakes and my flaws and it's not an admission of weakness. No, it's definitely not. not. A, it's a position of strength. It is. And I mean, honestly, I think unfortunately the, you know, I don't want to venture into the area of politics, but I think unfortunately the Christian church has become known more for how it judges people okay. than for how messy we are because really the story of God is we're messed up people and God loves us anyway and we don't have to clean ourselves up and so I feel like that was really my story was that I was really just this person who thought I knew the best way to live my life and didn't want to admit how messed up I was and when I met God I was like oh I can actually show people how messy I am and how flawed I am and if they don't accept me that's okay because I'm already totally accepted by God in that and God's going to help change that <laughs> like, right, sure. right I'm not going to stay there and make it an excuse for who I you know hurting people or being a jerk but um, he's going to actually help me change that so that's been a big change in my life. That's Still amazing. changing. Sure. And you said that was about 20 years ago? Uh, 1999. Summer of 99. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You're going to have an anniversary party next year? Am I? I don't, I don't know. know. Do people throw themselves anniversary parties for You know, anytime God? I can find an excuse to have a party. <laughs> 
It's true. I like to have parties too. I should Even maybe if, 20 years right? I'll do. 2019. Yes, next you year. You can come. So, right. I mean, and a party people can be as simple as buying a cupcake and putting a candle on it and saying, "I'm celebrating me" or "I'm celebrating XYZ." Yeah. Honoring something significant in your own life. And we don't celebrate enough. No. So I'm a fan. I am yes. a fan. Find a reason to pull out that cupcake and party hat. <laughs> exactly. And if you don't like cupcakes, you know, substitute it for something Frozen else. Frozen hot chocolate. Right? There you go. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So now. Yes. Let's talk about how you decided to go into the business of starting a church. And let me just put up front what my questions are. So, for example, what faith, if any, is it or are you if you want to share that then how do you become trained to start a church is there is that a lucrative thing <laughs> and <laughs> um no so you know jump in and okay Nicole, tell us. Yes. How does one start a church? All right. Well, there and are. And is this is this the kind of thing where you're starting churches in basements of places and you're renting out space, or is it like you've, or is it as though, or is it that you found space and it's dedicated to these specific churches that you've started? All right. Okay. Great. So I could give you a little bit of history of church planting, or I could just tell you about my experiences. Um, well, if you could do a church planting in a nutshell, that would yes. be great. Okay. So church planting. Planting in a nutshell, historically what happens is um, one church wants to raise up leaders to start another church. So they're invested. You mean like a branch or? No, uh, sometimes. Actually, that is one version uh, of how churches start. that would be more like a parish model, so like a Catholic type thing, right, where you have many parishes that are still kind of all connected in some way. Okay. Although I think they're financially aut- autonomous, so they would all have their own budget. But I don't quote me on I mean, sure. I know I'm here, but don't quote right, me on right. that. Sure. Um, but in the Protestant church, um, typically it would be to like send them off and like you start a whole new congregation usually you would send people with them depending on the size of the church it could be anywhere from 25 to 100 people who who willing you know who choose like I want to go be part of that a lot of times it's simply to be in a different neighborhood okay. or sometimes a different city but a lot of times it's just a different neighborhood of a city you're already in all right that's not actually how we've really done it, but that's that's a typical process. Okay. In that sense. I mean, did somebody call you up and say, help us start this church? No, no. So for us, so after I became a Christian, the first church that I became a part of was a church plant. So my first experience as a Christian was, oh, Christians start churches. So I just thought this is what we all do. <laughs> that was how I got into it was because I was part of a church that was a church plant. And so when I think of church, I think of the building, with yeah. the steeple and things. Yeah. Is that what no, we're talking so about the, when you mention church? Yeah. So the Bible calls the church a family. Okay. It's a people. It's not a place. Okay. So the people meet in a place. Um, but when I talk about planting a church, what I'm talking about is a group of people moving into an area to live their lives as people of God in a place where people can meet with God, you know, whether that's at a building or at coffee shops or in a 
apartment, you know, whatever the... And do they you know, have a charter and pick a faith or how does that work? <laughs> yeah, you can't. I mean... Or is it just like a meetup? Like you go on meet, hey, meet let's up. meet up and talk about God. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, Lee. It, uh, <laughs> is there paperwork involved? There, there is paperwork involved. <laughs> tell and us in about fact, that. Can I tell you? Please. Because New <laughs> York City... I want City, to know. New York City does not have that many churches and does not have that many new churches. So when we were trying to incorporate as a church, it took us almost a year and there was a lot of ringamarole. I'm not really sure what that word means, but that's what it felt like because literally you would get on the phone with someone and you would say, you know, I need the paperwork to fill out, to incorporate. And they would say, I have no idea. I, I have like people actually did not know People at, at the city of New York did not know what paperwork to give us to incorporate as a church. But isn't a church just like a nonprofit organization? It is, it is a nonprofit by default. Okay. But you still have to incorporate. So in other words, we didn't have to apply for a 501c3 status because churches are automatically considered a nonprofit. But we did have to incorporate as a church. And so how does one do that? Well, in New York City, <laughs> you have to... It, it's by county, so it's not by the whole city. So we had to know which county we were going to be in. Um, and then you have to have a board and you have to have some sort of you know, uh, what is it called? Like the, the initial, um, documentation, like a, I can't think of the name for it. And then it has to get notarized cause you all have to sign that and then you send it in. And then hopefully in a month you get a letter back from the County saying, yes, you do exist. We recognize you. Oh, cool. But it took us a lot longer than that because people were very confused about a church starting in Brooklyn. Huh. So, yeah, it was an interesting journey in Minneapolis where we moved from. Sure. We started a church in Minneapolis in 2006, and it was much smoother. There's a lot of churches in Minneapolis. Uh-huh. Nobody was confused about what was happening. You just kind of walk in and sign a paper, and there you go. Nice. So, Wow. So how many churches have you started? Just two. Well, still, that's more than most people. It is. I guess <laughs> I guess you're right, on average. On and, average. And so you had mentioned, you know, meeting in coffee shops and things. Do your two churches have, like, a, a mailing address? Okay, yeah. So the church in Minneapolis, what was unique about that is that we were actually given a building. Nice. Which doesn't also doesn't happen every day. No. Um, so that church we started in a much more traditional way because we were given a church building. Um, we had a group of about 25 people. It was in a really, it is in a really wonderful neighborhood that we could connect with the neighbors. Um, and so that church is running pretty, uh, traditionally what you would expect, you know, there's Sunday services and then there's small group opportunities during the week to connect with people. Um, our New York church, we had a really different vision. We like to kind of call it an upside down vision. So in do, a, do you want to share the name of your I? church? Oh, sure. It's called The Table. We don't have a website. You Why? can only find us by connecting with us as human beings Ooh, in it's relationship. It's like secret to it's not Knights secret. of Templar or something. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Even I will know tell you all our secrets, <laughs> but you have to wow. like connect with me as a person first in so order. So you vet them. <laughs> no, I let you vet me. That's really more what's happening. Gotcha. 
<laughs> you bet them. We're not making any money in this church, so there's really no, there's no incentive for us to vet you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so, okay, go on. Okay. So traditional church, there's a building. There's an event that happens on a Sunday, typically. We expect people to come to the event. We do the best we can to make it an enjoyable experience. Hopefully there's coffee and donuts. There's a nice person greeting you. You listen to some good music. You hear a good speech, you know, sermon. And uh, you're greeted on your way out. And then you want to come back. And, you know, that's the traditional model is you hope that people come back. And then over time, they kind of commit to the community. Sure. And I I think that that's a really effective model um, in places and with people who are looking for God or looking for a church. But we live, particularly in New York City, but I would even say in the United States, in what is often called a post-Christian era, where more and more people are really not even interested in, in God, right? So, What do you think they're interested in? Well, any anything other than God. <laughs> the the perfect cup of hot chocolate, the you know the latest fashion. I mean, you think New York City, like people come here to chase their dreams, right? Like people in this city are here to try to make it because if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, right? And God kind of can get in the way of that, or there's an idea that God could get in the way of that, right? Or that God is outdated. I mean, let's just be honest, like the idea of a supreme being who knows everything about my life and wants to tell me how to live it, like who wants to, New Yorkers, like (laughs) screw that. (laughs) No one's going to tell me what to do with my life. Yes, I I get that. I, I know that feeling. Sure. Right? So my husband and I, because neither one of us grew up really in the church or with a relationship with God, we really have a passion for and I think a connection with people who aren't interested in God because we know what that life was like. Um, we chose that for ourselves. So so what are people who attend the table, yeah. what are they interested in? What are they? Well, all sorts of things. I mean, we have people at our church who aren't Christians and we have people who are at different stages of their belief or not belief, whatever. Um, they're interested in all sorts of things. I mean, we have lawyer, doctors, writers, teachers, hockey coach, a musician, artists, you know, uh, they're New Yorkers. Right. So is it appropriate to say the parish? Like how many people yeah, are in your parish? You could call it that. Uh, yeah. So that's a good question. I haven't counted. What's the size of your congregation? Oh, it's small. It's small. Like less than 30 people. Okay. Um, you start somewhere. You start somewhere. I, I think our goal was to start to build a church around relationships rather than an event. Sure. And relationships take time. It takes time to get to know somebody and to decide, do I want to let you see my messiness? And do I want to open myself up to the potential that you're going to say something to me about it you know I mean that's a that's a risky thing and um, I think so we're not in it for the numbers we're in it for the people sure and quality over quantity exactly we do say that yeah so So do you have an event as you say like (laughs) so what how does how does it work yeah the table how does it work you're um, yes. Does somebody, do you take turns giving some kind of a speech or a something? Speech, yeah. 
I wish you guys could see Lee's face. <laughs> She's really just trying to figure out, like, put the pieces so together I'm just here. Asking questions. I feel like we need a visual aid. <laughs> I mean, is the table your table when you have those parties of thirty and forty? Is that part of it? Or? It is part of it. Um, the reason we're called the table is that the table is an image that really comes from the very beginning of the Bible all the way to the end where um, God talks about um, the table being a place to meet with him. And, and nice. Yeah. And you, Did you come up with that? No, it's in the Bible. No, I mean, not the Bible. The name of your church, the table, silly. No, my husband did at a, he was at a retreat and he was talking to a pastor who had just recently switched churches and the new church so uh, Christians take communion which is supposed to represent the body and blood of Jesus and at his his old church they referred to it as the table I I mean some churches do Okay. and he was just kind of saying it to my husband like oh our other church we would go to the table every week and this one we only do it once a month and I miss going to the table and my husband was like I just hearing you talk about that and this idea of coming to the table and the table is such a symbol even in you know secular culture of of a kind of a meeting place for equals in a way because if you're all at the table right like there's this sense of we all belong here Mm -hmm. and we're all welcome here and everybody's included and that's a warm you know and you add good food like so the table that's a thing that's a thing what do you mean by that in religion that's a thing the table I haven't read the Bible. No, that's okay. But you're saying that you guys kept hearing the table being referred to, and so that's a thing. It's not it like you just came up with the table out of nowhere. No, we did not come out. We, we are not original. <laughs> If that's what you're getting at. No, we are not original. I didn't know. People out there, did you know the table? That's a thing? Actually, you know, um, fun tidbit, the astronauts, um, when they were redesigning, I'm going to really misquote the exact details here. So, But when they're designing spaceships and the astronauts were, um, you know, experimenting with uh, what the design was and giving feedback of, like, we want this or what that. Originally, the spaceships were not designed um, to have a place to sit to eat because you know there's no gravity so they would just have these like um trays that would kind of velcro to the wall wherever they needed to be and the astronauts gave the feedback to the designers is the end of the day we really want a place to sit around a table together and they asked for a table to be installed in the in wow. a spaceship isn't that interesting it is where did you hear that i didn't my husband did because my husband listens to 50 different podcasts gotcha so okay. so we'll need to verify that at some point <laughs> uh, i can send not, you a link i'll ask yes. him where he heard it you know we we do like to adhere to some journalistic standard okay When Nicole mentioned that the word table is referenced or mentioned in the Bible, I called up the Episcopalian Church archivist who suggested I reach out to a seminary. That led me to the Burke Library at Union Theological Seminary. Shout out to Carolyn, the librarian there. She told me about the amazing online resource, BibleGateway.com. You can go and select the Bible version of your choice and type in words or phrases, and it will show you how many times they've been used in that particular version. I typed in table 
and 158 references came back. But a lot of those were actually for the word tablet. <laughs> and there were many mentions of table in terms of building one or placing things on a table. But in the book of Luke, I hit the jackpot with 13 references to people joining others at a table to eat. I wondered about that story about tables in space, so I called up NASA, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, and I was able to speak with someone, well, via email, with someone from the Johnson Space Center. You know, it took a while to find the right person at NASA, but yes, it was confirmed that astronauts who were assigned to the International Space Station, not the rocket ships, had requested a table, and then they got one, and that was about 20 years ago. I mean, who knew I'd be doing so much research on the simple word table? <laughs> Not surprisingly, I called the city and no one ever got back to me about how to start a church. But informally, I have seen four seemingly new churches pop up in my neighborhood alone since Nicole and I spoke. Two are located in public schools. Another one uses a movie theater. You know, that's pretty clever if you stop and think about it. And then the other was in a church building. But that's in Manhattan. And Nicole started her church in Brooklyn. And she did say that the registering of an entity is county specific. So what might be easy in one borough may not hold true for another here in town. But don't let any red tape from the city or your town stop you if you're now thinking about forming a church. And if Nicole's church, you know it's called The Table, or her work as a leader and team coach resonates with you, please reach out to Nicole Devereaux at NicoleDevereaux.com. Her information will also be listed in our show notes. Thank you so much for stopping by. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on Nicole's and my bonus episode where we give you the 411 on the city's classic hotspot for ice cream and desserts, Serendipity 3. And if you'd like me to create your MP3 media package or spend a day with me, visit houseofleanyc.com to connect. So until next time, take care. Bye-bye.